Hello, everyone. This is Kristen of Pete Kristen Enos's podcast. I will be doing a review this time, uh, speaking from notes rather than fully written scripts or, you know, guided interviews of my subjects. So I am hoping to do this um, podcast. I've already done a first take and I listened to it and realized I said, you know, way too much. <laughs> so I uh, I'm going to try to catch myself this time. Hopefully I'll, I'll say it only like twice a minute <laughs> as opposed to every 10 seconds. I, I'm Southern California. It comes out. So I am talking about Harley Quinn, the two season cartoon series that is currently available on HBO Max. Uh, the focus is to get Harley out of her obsessive, abusive relationship with the Joker and becoming her own standout supervillain in the already crowded landscape of Gotham City, along for the writers are best friend, Poison Ivy. So my general thoughts. Uh, once I signed up with HBO Max, it was definitely worth the binge. I just finished it a couple days ago. For reference, this is the weekend after Thanksgiving 2020, so it's still pretty fresh in my mind. I admit I only added the series to my quite full, you know, to-watch list once I heard that Ivy and Harley were going to be a canon couple in this, so that wasn't a shock to me, uh, but I was interested to see how it was going to be done. Uh, just to let you know, I am a longtime Harley and Ivy shipper since way back when they were first introduced in the Batman animated series. Years ago, DC Comics actually released an official t-shirt of the two of them hugging each other uh, in the art style of the animated series. And I owned that t-shirt and wore it once to LA Pride and had a lot of very positive nerdy reactions over it. So. That being said, that, that's my, um, my memory proof of um, how much this couple is uh, kind of like emotionally fond for me. That being said, a um, couple of things to keep in mind in order to enjoy this series is I label myself as a longtime DC Comics girl, but admittedly, I focus on the time period of the 80s and 90s. Um, that was when I read a lot of comics actively. Uh, so I have learned uh, if you consume any comic material since then, whether in movies, shows, or even comic book series themselves, you need to sometimes let go of what you thought were facts about certain characters, especially as reboots happen and so on and so forth. Some characters may be dead in one version, other characters may be paired up in romances that weren't together. Um, so I've learned that at least it, definitely in this series, you just kind of like need to know the basics of Batman's rogues gallery and the Gotham City scene uh, and just kind of go with it. Uh, if it seems like it's a completely standalone series, so as long as you kind of know the characters and then you just kind of know the basics of how they kind of interact with each other, that's the way to enjoy it. You know, don't get hung up on, hey, I thought X was like this or, you know, this person was like that. Um, otherwise, you'll just get distracted and not be able to, you know, fully um, accept what is being prepared for you in that uh, particular form um, or in this case, uh, the Harley Quinn series.
Um, be prepared for a lot of slapstick comedy and a lot of violence and subject matter that fully makes use of its mature content label. Uh, I personally like that uh, because it does like break down some of the, you know, no go areas, both creatively as well as, you know, just, you know, as a fan. Um, but with that, um, which was kind of surprising to me that I didn't really realize how much I appreciated after the fact, but as a writer, um, I like the fact that it also showed repercussions of actions. You know, it, if you know anything about comic books, you know, the idea of status quo, the idea that, you know, you can't do anything permanently detrimental to characters because they're expected to come back and be reused for another story, another time. In this case, there are characters who die um, and you see them being killed. But even for someone like me, who has that status quo mentality, I was kind of thinking, oh, they're going to come back in some way. But a couple episodes later, it's like, no, they're really dead. You know, you're not going to see them again. So I kind of like that. It was a little bit jarring, you know, to get into this. And I said, you know, again, um, to get into it. But, you know. <laughs> but once it happened, uh, I kind of just went through uh, the flow and I was happy with it. Um, now, not recommended to be watched with the impressionable and sensitive beings in the room, regardless of their actual age. That's just something to keep in mind. Now, for me to fully enjoy the series, another thing that had to happen was that I needed like a modern woman's sensibilities to show up every once in a while uh, because I was concerned that it would be a totally shallow, straight fanboy fantasy um, in the vein that for those people who like Harley being the Joker's literal and emotional punching bag, um, that kind of character is not what she's about in this series. I mean, the whole point is for her to evolve out of that. So if you like her being the victim, um, you may not like her in this version. So those are my general comments. Um, as for queer value, I recommend it. Uh, I did not have any red flags come up that are, you know, still in my eyesight, so to speak, my, my mental eyesight. So I would say definitely go watch the series, relax, enjoy it. Uh, and then, you know, wait for season three. So now is your opportunity to stop listening to the podcast because I am going to talk about some specific de details. If you don't want spoilers, um, for me as a writer, I have problems, um, giving spoilers. It's just an ethical thing that I have. So, all right, so I'm assuming everybody else has stopped uh, listening. So now I can talk about some specifics. The thing about the Harley Ivy storyline of them, you know, starting off as just basic best friends and then evolving into romantic interests as well as sexual interests. Uh, for any plot device like this, you need the the hurdle. You know, what is the queer hurdle in this case? Um, you know, thinking about it abstractly. Uh, it would not make sense that the hurdle be something based on morality or concerns about uh, queerness being, you know, not accepted because these are supervillains. 
you know, who never had concerns about morality from a religious perspective in any other facets of their lives, at least portrayed in this universe or in this version. So in this story, the hurdle is a heterosexual relationship getting in the way of the queer one. Um, Ivy develops a romantic and sexual relationship with a character, new character called Kite Man, whom she um, actively tries to marry throughout the series. But in parallel to this, um, Ivy and Harley discover that they are romantically um, interested in each other, sexually interested in each other. And so that's the push and pull of it. Um, and the, there is one point where Harley actually confronts Ivy and, you know, puts it out on the table saying that I want to pursue this relationship with you um, in this romantic capacity. And Ivy turns her down by citing the fact uh, that Harley was a whimsical character, that she jumped from thing to thing to thing. Um, and while Ivy trusts Harley implicitly uh, with her life, as she says, she does not trust her with her heart. Um, and that's an interesting conversation to absorb in the moment. Uh, in retrospect, I kind of thought it felt a little shallow and convenient given that the entire first season of Harley Quinn was all about Ivy trying to get Harley to break off her obsession with the Joker. So if anything, season one was all about Harley being a one-man kind of gal or a one-person kind of gal. Um, so for Ivy to use that as the reason why she didn't trust Harley in a romantic uh, relationship felt kind of convenient for the moment. But since I personally wasn't that interested in season one and haven't rewatched any episode from season one yet, um, but I have watched several episodes of season two um, multiple times, mainly, you know, as background while I do other things, uh, I just kind of went with it. So, you know, take it, go with it. Um, you know, don't worry too much about, like I said, too much logic because we got there. <laughs> you know, that, that the whole point is getting these two there and having these kind of conversations. Um, the other thing to keep in mind from an LGBTQ plus perspective uh, that I think is significant is the supporting character Clayface. Uh, again, this is a comedy series, uh, but Clayface is presented as somebody to really kind of pay attention to. Clayface in this incarnation is uh, very much into acting, you know, being a character with a backstory when he's undercover. And I'm using he because, you know, there are no pronoun proclamations in this series. But it's interesting that Clayface, quote unquote, in the actor immersion, you know, reality of uh, backstories, does take on a character in the Riddler University episode who is a female co-ed uh, but the joke throughout the entire series or the entire episodes is whether or not uh, she, and I put that in quotes, really wants to commit to a male co-ed in a romantic relationship. So here's a character who's in, the, in a body or taking on the persona of an opposite gender, um, dealing with a heterosexual romance in that opposite gender. 
Uh, but at the same time, when Clayface is back to himself in a later episode and um, assumes incorrectly for jokes uh, that two male characters are dating each other, uh, he goes on into all of this like positive affirming comments about that, you know, wrong assumption. Um, again, for jokes, but the fact the character is very positive and very accepting of that um, is, again, you know, a thumbs up in my mind. So those are the two main detailed thoughts that I have. Uh, I'm happy that this series was greenlit for season three. This time I will definitely watch it when it immediately airs rather than waiting so long after the fact. But those are my thoughts. Um, so until next time, uh, take care of yourself and others. And this is P. Kristen Enos of P. Kristen Enos's podcast. Bye.